Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. It's a great pleasure to be with you. And by the way, right here, you can live stream us on the Internet. LarryKudlowShow.com. LarryKudlowShow.com runs all across the country, around the world, throughout the solar system and the Milky Way. And please, during the week, Fox Business Network, the name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. If you can't make it at 4, just text message your favorite nine-year-old. We'll teach you how to DVR the show. It's not that hard. Anyway, let's do some stock market work, some interesting stuff. Good week for stocks. Dow's up 672. The S&P was up 104. Even the NASDAQ up 510 points. So you had a 2% gain in the Dow, 5% in the NAS, almost 3% in the S&P 500. Good stock market action. Anyway, we're going to bring in two dear friends, Nancy Tangler, CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Laffer Tangler Investments, which is a five-star morning star rating, and my pal David Bonson, who's the founder and managing partner of the Bonson Group and the author of There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. And he's even got a No Free Lunch video series. Six parts, defense of free markets. I'm for that, free markets, yeah. We need more free markets. So, kids, I'm going to read you from this morning, Ed Yardeni Research. He's a smart guy. He's asking this question, young bull market, question mark. So he's saying the low in the S&P 3577 on October 14th. We view that as a successful retest of the June low. And he says, so far, so good. The S&P 500 is up 11.8% since then through Friday's close. It is still down 16.6% from the record high on January 3rd, 2022. It's back slightly above its 200-day moving average. This is the third attempt by the bulls to keep the rally going above its 200-day moving average. We think this one may succeed. So, David Bonson, I begin with you. Are we in a young bull market? Yeah, I wish I knew, Larry. And I guess some think I'm supposed to know, but what I'm supposed to do is admit <laughs> admit that I don't know and nobody else does either. <laughs> Oh, come on, Dave. <laughs> Here, here's what I think is the best case. The the base case is that I think it is very possible we don't break those prior lows and that we're not about to make new highs. That generally a big bull market followed by a bear market is followed by a pretty long period of a flat, choppy market. Sometimes it can take years to kind of bounce around in a little bit of a range 
And of course, I believe those markets are ideal for dividend growth investors, but uh, that's just me talking my book. I really do think that trying to guess the macro right now and then trying to guess how investors are going to respond to the macro is not the best thing for investors to be doing because there are empirical, logical, reasonable arguments for both sides about a recession, a mild one, a harder one. And there is conflicting data. People aren't lying. This isn't politicized. Objectively, labor data is strong and manufacturing services data is weakening. And the yield curve is predicting a recession. And there's other factors that are not cooperating. And so to me, one has to separate their macro guesses from what they do with their portfolio and lean into quality, lean into value, lean into cash flow. And for God's sake, don't go buy crypto and thing right now. <laughs> Whoa. Let me look. Now you got me going here. Bitcoin, 19,494. Bitcoin's come back quite a bit. David. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. It's, it, 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 no, you know, it's, it's up 6%. And if it, if it can just somehow triple from here, it'll be back to where it was. <laughs> Nancy Tangler, I'm going to ask you the same question. Is this a young bull market? It's also interesting. We were talking earlier in the show with uh, Tomas Philipson and John Carney about the recession call. And I actually did it on the TV show last night with um, with some of our econs. Who do I have? Tyler Goodspeed and uh, Mike Falkender. This is the most widely heralded recession uh, since the late 16th century. I've never seen so many people talking about recession, but it hasn't happened yet. So it keeps getting postponed. Now, Yardeni, who's a smart guy, I really like Yardeni. I've known him for a million years. Um, he thinks we're in a young bull market. What do you think, uh, Nancy Dengler? Well, Larry Kudlow, um, I I think we could be. Um, and, and here's why. There's a couple of reasons. I, I totally agree with David that, um, this is the most complex investing environment in my career because there is a lot of conflicting data, as there often is, however, at turning points. And so one of the things that I think you have to look to is history. And if you go back and look at negative years um, that are that where there where the VIX then declines below 20, which is where it is right now, um, the year is is up on average over 20 percent. So I do think there's reason to be optimistic. I, I said that on your show on, on Monday. Um, and so we're in buying, we're adding back in risk in our portfolio. We initiated, for example, a position in Tesla in our non-dividend growth portfolios. Um, and, and we're continuing to add to names, um, high quality, as David said, dividend growers, but where the management is, is has experience of navigating through a slowing growth earnings environment. Because if, if the VIX is indicative of where the market's going, and historically it has been, earnings matter a little bit less. And if you go back and look at uh, when the market bottomed during the, you know, the Volcker, Volcker period, which um, Jay Powell likes to invoke every other uh sentence, you'll see that stocks actually bottomed a few months before the the Fed indicated that they were going to pivot. And in three months, all of the losses of the previous bear market had been recouped. 
So three months after the pivot. So I think you want to be positioning yourself here. And the risk is that you don't take enough risk. And so that's what we're trying to do for our clients is add in risk at all levels. But I do think we probably get a a mild recession. The bond market is a lot smarter than I am. And by the way, a lot smarter than the Fed, which is why I think the Fed's going to have to stop sooner than the rhetoric would indicate. So that's how we're positioning ourselves. That's a good answer. Those are good answers. Because, you know, Nancy Bonson just dodged the whole thing. I mean, he just completely <laughs> dodged it, wouldn't go near it, calling on empirical data. I mean, who looks at empirical data, for heaven's <laughs> sakes? This, we don't live in the age. Well, not, of, we don't live in the I'll age of you, empirical data. Who doesn't look at data? empirical data? The Fed doesn't look at empirical data. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Let's say the same thing. <laughs> I, listen, I think the market was up this week so big uh because Joe Biden went down so much. I mean, you think I'm going to link classified documents with the stock market? I mean, I'm not kidding. There's always politics involved in this thing. All of a sudden, Biden's hand has weakened enormously. All of his uh, self-righteous indignation, you know, and Donald Trump ruining democracy and hoarding classified documents. Whoops. He did the same thing. Now he's in trouble. Now we're prolific. Actually, we have a bull market and special counsels is what we have. <laughs> I've never seen so many special counsels. So I, I kind of like that story. And I think the Republicans are going to be able to cut the budget uh, because of Biden's weakness, which, by the way, is also bullish. In other words, the, the political story is turning much more bullish. Now, David Bonson, surely you can give me an answer on that one. Yes, and I would point out in my defense that I absolutely <laughs> answered your past question and frankly <laughs> answered it quite similar to how Nancy did. But nevertheless, I, uh, if I were you, I'd like Nancy more than me as well. So I get it. But look, um, Larry, the um, danger, you're 100% right. It was a terrible week for Biden. I don't think, I know you're being somewhat funny, but maybe not completely. Like there, we all, there always is a sense in which where is politics? Uh, playing into what's happening in markets. And the problem is that we can't have it both ways, right? Markets were up big in November, and November was a huge month for Biden. It was a really good month for Biden after the midterms and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think that the market was up every year of the Obama administration, and that seemed in, inconvenient to a lot of us on the right, and yet then the liberals predicted that Trump was going to kill the market and it rallied like crazy throughout his administration. So I tend to downplay where the you know correlation and causation stuff is between politics and markets, but your point on budget and on Biden's weakness is very important. But in a given week, I think that the most simple answer, particularly because, by the way, the market was up 750 points the last Friday, and that was before the Biden story broke. And I think it was it's just exactly what Nancy and I both have been talking about, this idea that, wait a second, the bond market is looking at inflation coming down. The bond market has rallied, by the way, almost every single day this year so far. I think there's been two days that yields were higher, and every other day yields have come down, some days significantly, and that's up and down the whole term structure of the bond yield curve. And the reason, in my opinion, is both a good reason and a bad reason. The good reason is that inflation is coming lower, and that people expect the Fed 
is going to kind of capitulate and all this talk of Powell being Volcker is going to prove to be somewhat, uh, you know, premature. The bad news is I think we're going back into a pre-Trump era of low, slow, no growth. Mm. And, you know, I've called it Japanification. I don't want a decade of 1% real GDP growth. And that's what I'm afraid we're going to go back and do. And when you have a, a yield curve this inverted and the 10-year and 30-year so desperate to get back down to twos and threes and so forth, that, especially when inflation is still elevated, that's the bond market telling us your economy doesn't have the power for economic growth right now. And that's the high spending. It's the, it's the high taxes. It's the high regulation. It's the bad energy policy. All of those things. You know, David Bonson, you're just not as much fun as you used to be. <laughs> oh, well, that, that, that's true for a number of reasons. You're just right? not as much fun as you used to be. <laughs> I used to say that to my dates in high school. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Oh, God. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Nancy Tangler of Tangler Investments. We're talking to Dave Bonson of the Bonson Group. I'm Cudlow. We're loads of fun here. We'll be right back with more on the stock market. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We are here talking stocks with Nancy Tangler, CEO and CIO of Laffer Tangler Investments, and Dave Bonson, who's the founding managing partner of the Bonson Group and the author of There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. Uh, Nancy Tangler, the outlook for earnings is what? And... Tied in with that is this recession call, the most heralded recession since the 16th century. And so far it hasn't happened. So I'm just wondering, <laughs> profits are the mother's milk of stocks and the lifeblood of the economy. So what's happening on the profits front? Yeah, so I'm going to answer that. But I'm also going to just take the other side of that um, growth trade with David, if you don't mind. Um, I actually am pretty optimistic about future growth. And so I think, well, like we saw the bank earnings and they weren't bad. Um, they were actually pretty good. Next week is a very important week. We get a lot of earnings in the next two weeks, actually. And so it's a little bit, but I think what we're going to see is that there's probably continuing to be margin compression. We heard that from some of the retailers. Um, we know that uh, companies are rationalizing uh, their costs. So we've got, you know, for example, Goldman, which is you know, trying to get in front of their earnings uh, by announcing how much they lost in the in the um, retail bank and then laying people off and reorganizing. So I think you're going to see a lot of rationalization in the first quarter and guidance will matter a whole bunch. But if you if you look at where the you know, whether or not we can grow again, I go back to Dr. Copper, which has rallied hard, mm. as has iron ore on the China reopening. Mm. You've got more companies reshoring or just simply onshoring. Um, and so manufacturing, I think, is going to um, continue to drive growth in middle America. CapEx spending didn't go down um, last year. It actually went up. And the digital revolution, and this is where we're investing in the sweet spot of old economy companies are investing in the digital revolution and then the suppliers of those solutions. Um, that has grown. If you, look, if you go back and look since 1993, 
industrial robotics has grown at double the rate of the entire economy. And so back to our your original point about the brilliant Ed Yardeni, he wrote a piece this week. And at CES, um, they announced, uh, John Deere announced what they call the exact shot. And it's a farm machine that can de- detect and fertilize individual seeds. Mm. So if you want to talk about improving productivity, I think that's how we get out of this mess. And that's why I'm a little bit more optimistic about growth. We do have, a, you know, a labor participation problem, but ultimately that will be solved by improving productivity. And so, again, that's that's where we're focused. Earnings, of course, matter. Guidance matters a lot. But I think um, I think you have to play the long game in this one because I don't think the labor market's going to improve anytime soon. And I think investors, last thing I'll say, are encouraged um, by by the the fact that there is weakness in the administration, and the reason I say that mm-hmm. is interest costs have gone up forty four percent in three months. So there's going to be a showdown, and I think that's good for investors in stocks. Yeah, man, I think um, I, you know one you don't want to overemphasize politics and the market, but I think the politics um, have taken a more bullish turn. You know, if you're a free enterpriser. I, th- I at think the that, margin. Yeah, yeah, at the margin. That's correct. I, I think the Biden weakness gives and McCarthy, uh, Kevin McCarthy came out of the speaker's battle probably in better shape and the likelihood of a better budget, you know, meaning le- l- less spending, uh, fewer taxes and regulations, that likelihood has improved. And and all that is good for for the economy, good for for growth, but I wanted to—I don't know, David Bonson, you can take a stab at this. That the gold—I'm interested, David, in the Goldman Sachs thing. The, this retail bank attempt looks like it utterly failed, and I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, so sometimes, you know, wholesale banks try to do too much. Maybe they just couldn't get it together. I mean, it looks like it was a disaster, and I guess that's where the budget and personnel cuts are going to come from. Yeah, it's actually something I've studied quite a bit. And obviously, you know, running my own $4 billion firm and being out of, I was a managing director at Goldman's biggest competitor, Morgan Stanley, for many, many years. And I don't understand uh, companies that have incredible core competencies. They're not just good at the things they're good at. They're great. They're the best at investment banking, at institutional trading. And then they decide they want to go open, you know, $5,000 checking accounts for Mm -hmm. people. Uh, now, look, the market has a need for $5,000 checking accounts, but that doesn't mean that it's in Goldman Sachs's domain. And so I think what you had post-crisis, I blame Dodd-Frank mm. because it, it, it incentivized investment banks to stop doing the fun stuff, private equity and hedge funds and, and investment banking and other things that have more risk capital and to start doing other more boring businesses, but it didn't make them do it well. And, and 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 so ultimately, you have the JPs and cities, really, who Dodd Frank's hurt the most are the smaller banks, the regional banks. That that regulation was a subsidy to the more entrenched big commercial banks. And I just think the lesson with Goldman is to stick to what you do best, and that's ultimately what they seem to be learning under David Solomon right now. Morgan Stanley uh, d- doesn't have a retail bank, does it? Well, they do in the sense that they got a charter for a commercial bank, as Goldman did, really as a funding mechanism. It allowed them to use deposits in, in terms of their, the way on capital is measured. 
but they used it just to beef up credit lines they gave to their retail bank customers, uh, excuse me, to their to their wealth management customers. However, even Morgan Stanley bought E-Trade during COVID. Oh, that's you know, they've right. all, they, they've all right. done things to kind of go downstream into a different type of customer. Mm. And my view is just that you can't bring the culture with you. There's a right. culture that really matters in these companies. Hmm. So last one, we've got 30, 40 seconds, David, bullish or bearish? Uh, bullish long-term because I'm always bullish long-term <laughs> and uh, agnostic short-term, even if that makes Larry Cuddle make fun of me. That's oh, great. I happen to agree. <laughs> Stocks for the long run and agnosticism in the short run. It's like we're, the only bull market I see is in special councils. Anyway, Nancy Tangler, thank you. David Ponson, thank you. Terrific stuff. Folks, other side of the break, we're going to do some money and politics with Liz Peake and Steve Moore. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. 